Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks. Today I'm joined by Michael Jones. How are you, Michael? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. It's those first few days of the international break where the world just seems to stop. But I feel like any followers of the Azori will probably it'll feel at longer than usual about the World Cup on the horizon as well. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to complain too much. And also Francesco Ainsbury. How are you doing, Francesco? Buonasera, Sam. Yeah, um, you know, thanks for bringing it up, Michael. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not, the, uh, not the nicest uh, knowing that there's a World Cup just around the corner and, and Italy aren't going to be a part of it. But we, we won't let that dampen spirits too much. Um, and we're mostly, of course, going to focus on Serie A and what's been happening so far this season. You know, seven games in now. And uh, there's only one place to start, really, and that's um, uh, Juventus' misery, to be honest. Um, Michael, I'll come to you first. And, you know, it, it's been a disaster for them, really, hasn't it? What, what exactly do you think has gone wrong? And, and is there any way back for Allegri, do you think? Uh, I don't think there is a way back for Allegri now. I think he might be able to hold on to the job for a fair bit longer unless it, you know, these results do continue, which is a very realistic possibility, but solely because of the, the sort of politics in Turin right now. But, I mean, they've been disastrous, haven't they? I mean, it's easy, and I think it's right as well, that a lot of the focus is put on Allegri because some of the teams that you've put out have just been bewildering, the sort of way he's trying to use players, the lack of sort of goals, creativity, aside from... The front two, you know, one of the sort of rare flashpoints this season has been that Arkham Millix actually made a surprisingly good start. And that's probably because the narrative of him arriving was so underwhelming that that, that he has got two goals. And then Lahovic is still carrying on form. But I mean, aside from that, I mean, the defence has struggled. The midfield, you never, I still don't really know if they're a team that prefers to have the ball, that prefers to be without the ball. I tend to lean towards the latter, but then they go through phases in the play when they realise that they can't actually play very well without the ball, so they try to play with the ball more. And, yeah, it's just so scattered for everything from the top of the club at the moment, Tangerine Nelly, to what we're seeing on the pitch and the sort of lack of impact and the lack of availability for new signings, kind of compounded by this defeat to Munzer and Angel Di Maria. Red card, I think, sees him miss two games as well. It's, yeah, and I guess... It, it's a bit sad, but like the sort of Di Maria struggles kind of red card kind of remind me of when he was at Manchester United that season. And it feels like they're in a similar place to that under in Louis van Aal's first season when I think Di Maria got sent off against Arsenal. And, you know, it, it was just a sorry state of affairs at Old Trafford and another sort of fallen European giant. But Juventus, under a likely, I find it really hard to see how they're going to turn this season around because the mood in the club is just sort of rotten at the moment it seems yeah I mean Allegri has tried to defend it Francesco hasn't he by, by sort of talking about a lot of injuries you know Di Maria has missed a few games we haven't seen Pogba yet uh, you know Chesney's been out but actually Matteo Perrin's been one of their best players maybe even their best player um, do you see things the same way do you think Allegri's on borrowed time and, and if they do look to get rid of him who would you like to see come in? You know, there's been rumours of a return for Conte. Uh, there's Tuchel, Pochettino, possibly. What What do you think? 
Um, I actually think that uh, it's quite unlikely that they get rid of him. I think, uh, and this is almost entirely because of the financial factor. So because they've extended his contract until 2025 and, and he earns 9 million euros a year net, um, for, for Juve to, to break that contract now, I think they're looking at a payoff of, you know, people are saying up to 80 million euros. Um, I don't think it will be that much, but, but we're talking about 30 plus, between 30 and 80 million euros just, just to pay this guy off. And I just don't think any team in Serie A can afford to do that. I mean, there was a little thing a, uh, a couple of weeks ago when the, um, <clears throat> Maurizio Arimabene, who's, who's one of the directors at, at Juve, he was uh, at, at a do in, in Turin. And the fan, one of the fans shouted at him, you know, Allegri out, we, we, don't, want to, we don't want him anymore. And he, he replied, lo paghi tu il sostituto, you'd have to pay for the substitute. And I think that tells you that, you know, probably in the club, there, there are a few directors who would like to see the back of Allegri. They're, they're obviously not going to be happy with how things are going, but they just cannot afford for that to happen. And I also think that because of that reason, he is going to get a bit more time and I can actually see him turning things around. Um, I think you were, you know, the point you make about injuries, I think that is a valid point. You know, they, they built their transfer market on Pogba and, and Di Maria above everyone else. We haven't seen Pogba at all. Di Maria has played kind of half a game, then he, then he hits someone who got sent off. You know, it, they are important players. If you add to that Kears as well, you know, we're talking about three of Juve's best players not being there. And it doesn't excuse how good they've been so far. You know, they, they have been bad. But I do feel like if he gets time and he is likely to get time, I could still see Juve having a, a decent season. You know, I don't think it's ridiculous to think that they finish in the Champions League places again. I think the big issue for Juve and the big disappointment is, is that they've compromised this season's Champions League. I think for them to get out of that group now is going to be extremely tough. Yeah, it's, it, it's not looking good for them at all. Just, just a couple of wins so far already. I think seven points off the top. So, um, yeah, but it's, but it's looking difficult for them to even get top four, as you said. Um, another team who, who haven't hit their straps yet um, are Inter. You know, won the league a couple of years ago. Um, very close to winning it last season. But they've already lost three games this year. What do you think, Michael? Do you think Inzaghi's under significant pressure as well? And and what do you think is, is the issue with Inter? Because it's it's largely the same group of players that have done so well for them in the last couple of years. I think, yeah, I do think Inzaghi's another one under pressure, maybe actually under more pressure than Allegri because of the, you know, he's guaranteed his wages are nowhere near what Allegri is going to be on. He hasn't sort of had that historical record either with the club and you know since they kind of had that drop off around January last season I think it's kind of been quite repetitive patterns in terms of how teams have been able to figure them out they know seem to know that Inter Milan tend to drop off for large periods in the second half as well and have been able to exploit that and that's been seen in some of their losses especially in the derby versus AC Milan and I just think that they yeah, the, the, I mean, we, we not, again, the, the, there's kind of a counterpoint where you can sort of say similar with Juventus, you know, we've not really seen much of Lukaku yet this season. Mkhitaryan and Andre Nahm has not even started in Serie A so far. But there's also the case of have teams, you know, Simone and Targi's Lazio team was great for a long period of time and they started to drift off towards him because teams figured them out. He's gone in and tried to play a similar style into Milan 
which is a very entertaining brand of football, especially when it's on point. But with teams already knowing what to expect from his side, from his time at Lazio, it has that shelf life for that kind of new sort of problems that they cause expired a lot quicker than it did at Lazio. And I, I think that's a possibility. And I think that there really is maybe needing, it's not strictly hugely formational tweaks or whole structural changes, but, you know, is, do they look at going for a more conservative midfield? I mean, do they have the options to have a more conservative midfield and not have a midfield with both Chalanoglu and Nico Barella? Because as good as they both are, they're both guilty of it, that kind of midfield does leave a lot of responsibility on Brozovic. And I think that's proved too much recently and put a lot more pressure on the defence. And they, I think it's affected their sort of potency up front as well. And I think that's been a big issue for them. Yeah, the, the defence does seem to have been a bit of a worry. You know, we've seen him to concede three goals in a couple of games already, haven't we, Francesco? Um, you know, individually, they're all very good players, but it doesn't seem to be working at the moment. Are, are you a bit concerned for Inter? Uh, I, I am a bit concerned for Inter. I think uh, I'm probably less concerned for them than I am about Juventus. Um, and... But but Michael makes some good points, and the, the thing you say about the defence, I, I think this whole you know Michael just said that on, we haven't seen Onana in in the league yet. We have seen him in the Champions League, but uh, you know I I would challenge either of you or anyone else who follows football to give me an example of when switching keepers in comp- between competitions or switching keepers between matches has ever helped the situation. I don't think anyone wants that. I don't think the keepers themselves want it, and I don't think it helps the defence. So. I think that is not helping, uh, you know, things settle down in defence where they are struggling. Uh, and also Inzaghi has, I mean, he was, he, he's always done this. He's always substituted players when they've been booked, but it's like he's become obsessed by it. And and as soon as someone gets booked, I mean, in, in the latest match against Udinese, he took off Bastoni and um, I can't remember who the other player was. I think it's Mkhitaryan. He took them off before the half hour mark just because they'd been booked. You know, they were both playing okay. I, I don't think that's helping anything. And and it all feels, you know, it feels like he's he's quite stressed. It feels like the players are stressed. But having said all that, I, I do think he is a decent manager. And I think, you know, it's not that long ago that Inter were playing the best football in the league. It's not that long ago that I think we all thought, I certainly thought that Inter were the best team in the league. And it was with more or less the same team. I, I know that Perisic has left and, and he is a, a huge loss for them, you know. But but there's still a lot of quality there. And I do think that, like Allegri, if Inzaghi gets time, and for the same reasons, because Inter, I think, are in, a, in an even more difficult financial situation that they cannot afford to pay off managers. So I think he is going to get time. He can turn this round. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, that, to see what happens. I think when Lukaku is fit again, getting him to perform at his best or close to the level he kind of showed in his first spell at Inter is going to be key for Inter's success. So we'll, we'll see what happens when, when Lukaku's available. It's interesting that you mentioned about the bookings thing because that <clears throat> that annoyed me at the weekend as well. Um, And I, it seems Serie A is the only league that does this as well. I don't see it much at all in other leagues. And Inzaghi's not the only one because I, I'm going to move on to... Uh, Milan next and Pioli did it at halftime with Calabria um, against Napoli this weekend and I actually thought Calabria handled um, Cavalaschelia I hope that's I hope I pronounced his name right really well in the first half on the weekend I thought he did an excellent job other than one 
tackle where he completely took him out, which provided the booking, but otherwise did pretty well. Calabria is also the captain, so why he's taking him off at half time, I don't know. Um, what what do you think about it, Michael? And also, I'll come to you on how do you feel Milan have started so far this year? You know, their first defeat of the season against Napoli on the weekend, but are they looking pretty well placed to defend their title? Do you think? Yeah, I'm not hugely concerned with them at the moment. I mean, yeah, that was a bizarre choice. And you do wonder, I mean, Karavitskaria has probably been the best player or most dangerous player in Serie A so far this season. And whether that is, I know it's not an isolated incident in terms of this sort of substitution method, but whether just the prospect of actually, because it was against him, what I found more strange was that the option was to bring on Serginia Dest, who has from what I've heard from his time at Barcelona, massively struggled defensively and his sort of threats have been going forwards. And obviously he played his part in Napoli winning that game. Um, but it's just, yeah, I, I think overall, I, I wouldn't be too concerned. They've picked up some points in the Champions League. Okay, they've been favourites for both games, but four points from the opening two games isn't too bad. They're, they've plodded along fine so far. I think there was always a bit of a fear coming into this season, whether there would be a bit of a hangover from the sort of nature of their dramatic title victory last season. And the departure of Frank Kessier, I've said a few times, I think would be massive effectiveness this, this season. I think it has. But, you know, this AC Milan team last season as well would also go through, you know, they would lose the odd game here and there. And, you know, to, apart from sort of that towards the end of season run, they, they, have, been, they have been defined almost at times by a team that can bounce back. And it's that kind of resilience that I don't think is lost on them yet. And I think we're still seeing some really exciting signs of them linking up going forwards. There's a really lovely worked goal. I think it was Pabega's goal versus Dinamo Zagreb um, last week. There's some really good work from Rafael Leao and uh, Salamakas as well. And we've seen a few of those players, um, Pabega coming back up and Salamakas, integrating a little bit more. And we've still not even seen really the likes of Divock Origi, who I think can have a good impact this season amongst others. Um, so yeah, I'm not really concerned about AC Milan at all at the moment. I think it's a slight blip, but they'll hopefully channel it effectively, and I think they can. Yeah, they, they've certainly certainly started um, decently so far, but but that first loss for them, and we'll see how they bounce back after the international break. Of course, I'll, I'll come to you for Napoli, Francesco, because. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's not it's not been teams that have been doing outstanding that we've talked about so far, but but they are a team who are doing really well. Are you, are you a bit surprised by how well they're doing? Um, I mean, the short answer is yes. Um, when you watch them play now, you look at them and you think, of course, they're top of the league. Um, but at the start of the season, you know, I probably had them finishing fourth or fifth. Um, I think their recruitment has been fantastic. Uh, you know, Michael's just mentioned Pelaskelia. Uh, he is, uh, you know, a 100% joy bringer. He is so much fun to watch. And at the same time, he is so effective. I mean, he's been such a big player for them at the start of the season. Kim has been fantastic. You know, Simeone Raspadori and Ndombele are all starting to, to show that, you know, they're all beginning to have an impact. So I think they've, they've had a great transfer window. And... I guess the concern at the beginning of the season was how much experience they'd lost. But I think when that happened, they also lost quite a bit of baggage. You know, this side doesn't feel scarred by the kind of times that they've been so close to winning the Scudetto. Um, 
it feels like all of the kind of residual sariness has gone. And it, it almost feels like a new team with Spalletti there. You know, those players who, who were led by Insigne and Koulibaly and Mertens are stepping up themselves and becoming leaders. You know, Di Lorenzo, Lobotka, Politano, they all had brilliant starts to the season. I think this is the best I've ever seen Zielinski, you know, for a prolonged period at Napoli. I think Rachmani has arguably been the, been the best defender in the league so far. And, um, you know, the paradox is that statistically they've actually started the league worse than last year. I think they're four points worse off because they had such a fantastic start last season. But I do feel like they may have a better chance of, of winning the Scudetto. But that's probably more to do with how open the league is than, than how much better they are last season. You know, I still think they were a good side last season. But they've started so well and the league is so open. And yeah, I mean, they are a joy to watch. Really exciting side. And, and I think they have a chance. Yeah, I just kind of echo everything Francesco's just said. I also just don't think it should be underestimated the impact that victory against Liverpool in Naples could have on the squad. I mean, look, it's, I think people who follow the Premier League know that is not the best Liverpool team in the past few years, but they still had a strong team out on paper and it could have easily been a different story but Napoli made them look less than ordinary and absolutely dominated them and tore them apart and I think for an Italian team you know Italian teams have struggled in the last few years in the Champions League particularly getting a result against a team that's been one of the most effective teams in Europe in the past few years I think that will give what's quite a young squad and but with quite a charismatic manager and a lot of players sort of in the infancy of their sort of top level careers I think it will give them a huge boost and I, I think they've got a lot to go on this season I'd just also add that there's the likes of sort of Stanislav Lobotka who's been fantastic and Zambo and Gisa. that is a sensational and sensationally effective midfield duo this so far this season you know when or when they've had Ndombele um and Zielinski there as well. I, I just, I just think they've they've got everything right so far, apart from those points that they've dropped. But I think confidence is only growing with them at the moment. And um, Simeon's only scored two goals, I think, so far this season. So I, mean, I expect him to start chipping in with more. But his all round game's been really effective. I believe they won their first eight games last season. Actually, as you said, they they were brilliant at the start of last season. But it does seem that perhaps they can stay the course a bit better this time around. I felt like last year they maybe even talked themselves out of a title challenge at times, and it was like, oh yeah, we're happy to get back in the Champions League. And I thought it was there for the taking for them to win the league. So yeah, hopefully they they can go all the way this year and, and, and at least be in the mix right to the end. Um, but a fantastic start. And just one other thing to point out, you mentioned Kim Francesco, a uh, big fan of his celebration after that last minute block against Milan. Um, love a, love a defensive celebration. Um, yeah, he's, he, he is super likeable as well. So Yeah, really nice. So, um, yeah, hopefully uh, he, can, he can keep it up because he's been a great replacement for Koulibaly so far. Um, another team up there at the top of the table, and I, I didn't expect this, to be honest. It seemed coming into the season that the atmosphere was a bit flat at Atalanta, but they've started really well. Uh, I think they've won all their away games without conceding a goal, actually. It, it's a different Atalanta, isn't it, Francesco? It's a more sort of 1-0, you know, as, as we saw this weekend away at Roma, and that they're a bit fortunate in that game, to be honest, I, I thought. But... um. 
But what do you make of Atalanta so far? Is is this effective, well, a different side? Is that going to stay the course for the whole season? Or, or what do you feel about them long term? I, I mean, I'm surprised by how well they're doing. But I think part of that surprise is born out of how down Gasperini seemed to be during the summer. You know, he seemed fed up with the whole situation. He was complaining about the transfer market. And maybe that kind of disguises the fact that really Atalanta, whilst they maybe didn't make any amazing signings, they did keep on keep hold of most of their important players. You know, Coop Miners, Malinowski, Pasalic, uh, Moriel, they've still got a really competitive squad. Um, so maybe we shouldn't be too surprised. I don't, you know, I could see them, because of the start they've made, I could see them challenging for the Champions League. I'd be surprised if they're involved in the Scudetto race. But the other thing to say about Atalanta is that they are not involved in Europe at all this season. You know, they missed out on all the competitions in the end. So having one game a week, we've seen it in the past, how it's helped teams, you know, Milan, for example. So I think, yeah, there's a chance that they can do much better than we expected. And I think... Yeah, they, they have a genuine chance of, of qualifying for the Champions League again. Yeah, of, of course, the team they beat on the weekend was Roma. And um, it's been a bit of a patchy start for Roma so far, hasn't it, Michael? Um, you know, a couple of disappointing results in the league um, and, and, and one bad result in the uh, Europa League as well. Um, what do you make of Mourinho's Roma? Because the, you know, the atmosphere around the club seems to be brilliant. You know, they're packing out the stadium every week. Um, are, are they slightly disappointing you so far, maybe with the results? Or, or is it about what you expected from Roma? I wouldn't say the results. I'm, I wouldn't say the results are hugely surprising. Um, I actually think when you watch a lot of Roma, you know, they were very wasteful against Atalanta. There's been games earlier in the season um, when they've sort of had a load of chances, especially Zaniola, who could easily be sort of a contender um, for the golden boot at this moment in time. But it's been so wasteful in front of goal this season. And one of the things that I have enjoyed about them a lot more compared to last season is sort of the creativity going forwards. I think they have certainly offered a lot more, but they've... Yeah, I, I think there is just a natural sort of settling in period, uh, given the nature of the new signings and the level, the extent to which the team's changed. The one bit that hasn't changed that much, of course, is the defence. And that has been one part that's maybe been the, weak, the weakest part this, so far this season. And you just wonder if that could potentially be their the, the undoing. And one, one player who I've noticed, I know Jason Denea, he was linked with Torino earlier in the summer. He's still a free agent. And I think that would be a really smart acquisition from Roma um, if they were looking to sign him up because I think he would really sort of add something to their back line. Yeah, difficult to make out what, what's, you know, what to expect from Roma this season, I, I feel. Um, I feel there's, a, you know, there's real hope that they could go um, and... and yeah, possibly even challenged for the Scudetto, but it seems they're maybe a, a bit below that right now. Um, as as for their rivals, Lazio, they're they're just above Roma in the league. Uh, they're fourth at the moment, and 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 in the league, it's going really well. Actually, they had a bizarre result last week in the Europa League, though, where they lost five one to Midtjylland, didn't they, Francesco? And um, 
you know, do you feel inconsistency is going to be a problem for them again this year? Or do you think Sari's really starting to sort of stamp his mark on this side a bit more? I I think Lazio and Roma have actually had really good starts to the season. I, I think both of them are only three points off the top of the table. Um, and, you know, you, you mentioned that result in the Europa League. I, I feel like that's probably going to be a blip. In the other matches, I've, I've been really quite impressed by Lazio. I, I do feel like uh, Sarri is starting to have an effect on this side. And, um, you know, they've had some really good results. The win against Inter was, was you know, really impressive. They've, again, like like um, Atalanta, they, they've kept hold of most of the important players. Immobile is still there. Milinkovic Savic is still there. Luis Alberto is still there. So I, I can see this Lazio side and Roma, you know, like Atalanta, really pushing for those Champions League places. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that pans out. Um, and and I, I like this Lazio team. I, I think they've, they've got a chance. Okay, so I'm going to ask you both now. Uh, we're seven games into the season. Just, I just want a fairly quick fire answer. How many teams can win the Scudetto this year, Michael? Uh, you first, and, and name them, please. I don't just want a number. <laughs> well, I'm going to just start by naming them because I feel really under pressure right now. So the teams who I think: Napoli, AC Milan. Yeah, I think that could potentially be it, too. Oh, OK. And what about you, Francesco? I've got five. I've got five. five. If one yeah, of them's I've... Juventus, you can get off the call now. Sam, you know, you cannot rule out Juve. They're in oh, there. You said the same last year and they ended was... up finishing miles back. Okay, yeah, you're right. I did say the same last year, but I also said it when they were kind of 20 points behind, you know, five years ago, and they still ended up winning the league. It's, it, uh, I... I think it's unlikely they win the league, but they're only seven points behind. Um, you know, it's not a huge number. They've got a midfield of McKenny and Rabio and all this. That's going nowhere. Yeah, but that's a that's a temporary midfield, though, isn't it? I, I mean, you know, I think you, you, it's true. We have to see what happens when when they're all fit and stuff. And I, I'm not saying they're the favourites, but I think to rule them out completely, you know, I can't do that yet. Okay, and so then, who are your five? Sorry. So, so Juve, Inter, I think, even though they're five points behind, I, uh, similar, you know, similar reasons. I think yeah, no, I'm, I'm not ruling out Inter. Yeah. And then, um, I think Napoli and Milan, probably the most informed teams, probably playing the best football at the moment, and they, you know, they're a bit ahead of the others. And I, I also would keep Roma in there. I've been, I'm really excited by this Roma team. You know, they're only three points behind. I think Michael, the point he makes about the defense is very valid. But going forwards, they look so good. I, you know, I think the Dybala, it looks like Rome and Roma are made for Dybala. He's had such a good start to the season. I think he, uh, Daniolo has looked close to his old self from a physical point of view. I was, he, he looked amazing against Salernitana. And I think Abraham has had a slightly disappointing start to the season in terms of goals, but he's going to correct that. You know, he's going to stop banging in goals. And when they're all playing together, provided they stay fit, and, and with the midfield they've got, you know, I've got some really good midfielders now. I, I really think they can have a great season. I think it's unlikely they win the Scudetto, but I wouldn't rule them out altogether. Fair enough. Well, I, I predicted Juve finishing fourth at the start of the season, and I'm starting to think I've got that badly wrong. Um, so for you to say that they're in the title race... Um, I don't know what to say about that, but we'll, we'll see, won't we? We shall see. Um, neither of you, interestingly... 
said that Udinese could win the Scudetto this year, which which is a bit harsh. They're right up there at the moment. Um, Michael, what what do you make of Udinese? They're having an amazing season so far. They've already beaten Roma. In fact, they've thrashed Roma. Already beaten Inter. Um, what can they sort of expect this year? Maybe pushing for a top seven finish? Yeah, I, I think that's where the, they should be aiming for. I mean, I think when you've had such a sort of sensational start as they have, I'm sure the sort of message in the changing rooms will be game by game, game by game, as most footballers love to repeat anyway. But it's no, it's by no means a fluke. You know, they've got results against Milan, they've got results against Napoli, Inter Milan. They're, they're really on form. They've been brilliant so far this season. And also, you know, no... To anyone who's following Italian football, it's no secret that they've had one of the best recruitment departments in world football for, for probably the last 20 years in terms of a club their size, if you look at the players they've brought through. And I think sometimes they've been either due to their managerial choices, such as the sort of tumultuous nature of the Pozzos, sort of maybe going with managers who haven't really been providing the environment for some of these young players to really flourish. But that's really in place at the moment. And we've seen the likes of Betu, Adogi, um, Delafe- I mean Delafeo is not a young player but I mean Delafeo is sort of thriving in, in, in the environment at the moment New and Perez in defence as well There's, it's a really exciting team that they're building here and I'm sure it'll get I mean we know Adoja is going to Tottenham at the end of the season anyway but I'm sure the team will get torn to shreds come the end of the season but I think they've got a really good case for you know, minimal pushing, minimum pushing the top 10 this season. I think fans would be extremely disappointed if they can't. But, you know, the the way they're playing, it's a very sort of modern counter-attacking approach at the moment. And I think it's really befitting um, of sort of what we'd maybe see in other leagues around Europe. And I think that the kind of energy and high tempo has really caused teams problems so far. And I guess a bigger challenge might be actually how effective they're going to be in terms of breaking down a lot of low blocks this season. And that the more they get respected for the results, the more that might become a challenge. Certainly be an excellent start for them. We'll see if they can keep it up after the international break. Uh, I just want to ask you both now, um, Francesco, first. Are there any other teams that have really impressed you or disappointed you so far in Serie A? Um, I think another team that I'd like to mention is Salernitana. I think they've really they they look a much better side than they were last season and if if you think that kind of you know 10 months ago they were close to going out of existence and rock bottom of the league they have come on so well I've, you know they played some big teams and they played really well they they were really good against Juve um and i think that yeah they are they've got some exciting players of of the team you know i'd definitely say they're worth a watch this season if if you're not familiar with Serie A and you're looking for teams to to kind of follow they they'd be right up there and how about you michael anyone that that's particularly caught your eye i'd say generally a lot of i, I think the promoted teams bar monza until the last game had been like quietly impressive i know cremonese haven't actually got a win yet but they've put in some really good performances for sort of the squad I mean, Lecce of course got their first win at the weekend so I think they've both surprised and surprised me in terms of how well they've settled I'd even go as far as saying sort of Spezia have been quite impressive you know they found themselves with a victory at the weekend and they um they're sort of sitting towards mid-table the sort of obvious disappointments are Sampdoria and Hellas Verona but 
I expected Sampdoria to be there or thereabouts this season. It looks a shell of the squad they've had the past few seasons. And Alice Verona, again, I, I do have quite the loss of Tudor to Marseille. I, you do kind of wonder how well they can operate without sort of a very good manager. I just want to end today's episode by uh, talking about the Italy-England game, which is coming up on Friday. Um, we're recording this on Thursday. Um, wh- what are you thinking about the game, Francesco? Are, are you looking forward to it? Um, it seems that Mancini isn't going to make many changes in terms of personnel, but I've heard rumours he might switch to a 3-5-2. Um, how would you feel about that? Um I I mean I think it's worth trying in in recent uh you know kind of one of the difficulties that they had probably the reason they didn't qualify for the world cup was just they didn't convert all the all the chances all the play they created into goals um so playing with two strikers might you know might help them you know convert a little bit easier um so I think it's worth trying um also the fact that Insigne is not there. Kiza isn't there. You know, kind of their best wingers. Berardi's not there. They're not available. So I can understand why Mancini would would go with this formation. I think the main thing for me is just making sure they play with three in midfield. I think that's where Italy's strength lies. Even you know, even though Verratti's not there and Tonali is pulled out as well, they still have some really good central midfielders. That's kind of where their strength is. So as long as they're playing a formation with three midfielders, I think the rest kind of makes sense. Um, and the game as a whole, you know, I can't help being excited about Italy playing. Um, I think when the World Cup is on, it's going to be horrible. But the Nations League, I, I kind of like it. It's, it's definitely better than, than the friendlies that we used to have. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited about seeing what they, what they get up to. And, and hopefully it's the start of a new kind of era and, and, uh, and better times ahead. Is, uh, is Donnarumma going to get booed again, do you think? Uh, I think he will get booed because, um, you know, Italian Italians just love booing in general. I think they're a big, yeah. uh, a big booing nation. So I'd, I'd be surprised if he if he doesn't. Especially, you know, I've just seen that Bonucci said that anyone who boos Donnarumma is uh, is someone who doesn't have a brain. And I think whatever Bonucci says, the the Milan fans are gonna <clears throat> are gonna go against. So now I'd be really surprised if he doesn't get booed. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, and how about you, Michael? I guess from an England perspective, um, this is a really big game because if, if they lose it, they're they're relegated. I think relegated from the Nations League. Um, oh, the shame. Um, but um, yeah, you know, Eng- England do have a World Cup coming up, of course. So, you know, how do you, how do you see this game playing out? Is is there a favourite for you? Is it quite even? You know, these two sides played each other a little over twelve months ago in the Euros final. Um, it's it's gone a bit downhill for both teams since then, hasn't it, really? Yeah, and I think you mentioned two out of what I think are three big factors for England coming into this game. I think, you know, like I said, Nations League relegation, probably the least important thing right now, but still quite a telling issue and could have a big say on Gareth Southgate's future after the World Cup. There is... The World Cup on the horizon after this really poor summer fitting, but in the Nations League with that horrific defeat to uh, Hungary at Molyneux. And then there is the third factor, which is, well, uh, you did mention it as well, actually, the defeat to Italy in the Euros. And this, this, this aspect will almost be seen as 
you know, there's, there'll certainly be an element of a grudge match or at least a bit of a comparison to see if they've got, if they've, if they've progressed, even regardless of what Italy is, it's still, even if this isn't Italy, an Italy team who's not going to a World Cup, it's still the European champions, it's still, you know, a team full of brilliant technical players and not a bad manager. So I think it's, it's a massive game for England. I think there'll be a lot of pressure on it. So kind of bearing that in mind, and I'm not very optimistic about sort of Gareth Southgate's sort of short-term future in the England job after this World Cup. I really think the confidence is actually quite low going into this tournament, whether that might adversely help them, I don't know. But I think, I think it serves well for Italy to get a result in this game. And I do think that, you know, it being in Italy as well, I think that, they, the change of system could actually really suit them if a free midfield is, yeah, essential for them to pull off a result, in my opinion. But I think they could cause England a lot of problems. We've seen lesser teams like Hungary with who play with a back three also cause England a lot of problems. And you wonder if that sort of fed into Mancini's thinking going into this game. But I think it's a good game. And I think, you know, there's, there's a, there'll be a lot to take away from it for both sides. I think England are probably going to play the back three as well tomorrow. So, uh, well, we're recording this on Thursday, so on Friday. But, um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how the two teams match up. I expect England to probably play a 3-4-3. Three, three. So, yeah, should be an interesting game. Uh, thanks a lot for joining me, guys. Uh, and thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you again soon. Uh, and enjoy the game this on, on Friday. And, and, of course, back to Serie A next week. Catch you all soon. Ciao.